Episode 18, A Mom's Take on ADHD. Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where you'll learn how to take steps to create a life that you love and enjoy. This podcast will cover mindset coaching and practical tips and tools, sprinkled with intergenerational wisdom and inspiration, and some Torah too. Here's your host, Nechama Weiser, Certified Health and Life Coach. Shalom and welcome to this week's episode. Last week, I interviewed my daughter Abigail on her experience living with ADHD, and it was a very powerful interview for me as a mother, as a coach, uh, listening to her express what it's like for her to live with ADHD, um, and just to kind of give a glimpse into her world and her struggles, her strengths, uh, and I really felt like it was the beginning of a conversation. And after that episode, I got so much feedback, so many follow-up questions, parents who thought that maybe their kids had ADHD, and it really helped me understand that this topic, while there is more awareness now than I think there ever was before, it's a topic that's not really discussed much, and a lot of people struggle privately, and that's really why Abigail wanted to share her experience because she wanted other children who are struggling with ADHD to feel like they're not alone. And as a follow-up to last week's episode, I wanted to kind of share my perspective as a mom parenting a child with ADHD and what it's been like for me in the same effort to really normalize this and help other moms feel like they're not alone. Last week's episode had the highest number of listeners of all my episodes to date, and I think that really says a lot about this conversation about the importance of talking about ADHD, and I really want this to be the beginning of a conversation because I know that when we started off on this journey, we felt very alone, and it wasn't something that was talked about in school, in shul, in our community, um, it just, it was a lot quieter. And over the last few years, as we've been more open about our struggles, I think that we found that almost every single home has a child who's struggling with some form of ADHD, um, some kind of special needs. Um, And I think that that just really normalizes the fact that we're all struggling in one way or another. And I think talking about it and creating a community around it um, and not having the shame about it can really help all of us get the tools that we need, get the help that we need, and be able to help our children best. And even if you're not a child of or a parent of, um, to even help yourself as an adult uh, who may have ADHD. And I recognize that I may be talking to parents, I may be talking to children, and I may just be talking to an adult uh, who may recognize themselves a little bit in this episode. So one of the first things that people asked me was when we first started noticing that Abigail's behavior was different than our other kids. And Abigail is second. She's the second child out of five. So when she was born, we had her older sister, Orly, who was two. 
Um, but her behavior kind of continued as we had other kids as well. And we did notice that there was something different. I would say that in her younger years, her ADHD manifested itself in her being very outgoing. Um, now you would say maybe a little bit of a lack of awareness, but then it was just really friendly. She was just so friendly walking around the street saying hello to everyone. And um, and you could say, oh, you know, she's just an outgoing kid, but it was just this real ability to go into any situation, get out there and just be her genuine self. And you may say like, well, what's the problem with that? And there wasn't a problem, but that was just something that we noticed that was a little bit different. And it was her ability to just not care about what other people thought. She was her authentic self. She was proud of it. And I have this uh, memory where I took her to school. I don't remember how old she was, maybe first or second grade. And she just came out of the school and said something like, I love myself. She just yelled it out loud. And I just remember thinking like, wow, first of all, everyone's looking at me and this is embarrassing because that's how my brain works. But after that, I was like, she just doesn't care. She just wants to be her true self. And it was that kind of behavior that we noticed early on um, that really stood out for us. The second thing I think that we noticed was her emotional regulation, her ability to go from zero to 100 very quickly, but then back to zero. Um, so when she was excited, she was super excited. When she was sad, she was super sad, but she was able to snap out of one state very quickly and move on to the other state. I think those were the two main things that we noticed very early on. As she grew older, obviously the emotional regulation became more clear and we felt like some behaviors weren't so age appropriate. Um, but those were, I would say, the, the main things that we noticed earlier on. Another question that I was asked was, what are the things that we tried that didn't really work um, before we continued asking for help? Um, in other words, we asked for some initial help uh, we tried some things on our own, and we kind of went down this path of, of getting Abigail the help that she needed. But at some point, we did realize that this was more than we could handle. And I think that at about six or seven was when the question of medication came up. Um, and I just want to clarify that I ran this podcast by Abigail to make sure that she felt comfortable with everything that I'm sharing. The topic of meds did not come up in the first podcast because I was concerned that it would be something that she didn't want me to share, but I do feel like that's kind of a missing piece in this whole process. So while we did think of meds at the beginning, we wanted to try some more conventional options first. So we tried therapy, we tried a bunch of different therapists, and while every single therapist fell madly in love with Abigail because she is so much fun to be with and she is so engaging and they just couldn't stop telling us how wonderful she was and she is that wonderful, they weren't able to really pinpoint the some of the emotional regulation issues because she wasn't triggered in her sessions. So it, there was a bit of a disconnect between what was happening in the office where she was happy and smiley and 
um, and really engaging with what was happening at home. So we tried that for a bunch of a bunch of years, and we realized that that wasn't really working. Um, we tried CogFun, which you know is a, a different kind of. Um, I don't even know how to really describe what CogFun is. Someone who who's in this field could probably explain it better. But the goal there was to work a little bit more on her executive functioning, her organization. Um, and we tried that for a year. We didn't really see any improvement there. Um, but there did come a point at which we decided that it was time to start meds. Um, and we also came to a point where we decided that it was time to stop sending her to therapy and start working on ourselves as parents and receive the skills to be able to help a child who has ADHD. And I think that for us as parents who do not struggle with ADHD, Ruven and I both share a, a, a similar personality in the sense that we, you know, we follow rules, we're quiet, we're in the box thinkers. Um, we have very like calm personalities. And Ayelet is, Ayelet, <laughs> Abigail, um, Ayelet is also different. Ayelet is our youngest. Um, but Abigail has a very different personality. Um, and I think that as parents, we sometimes think that our children are going to be mini-me's um, and at least kind of similar in personality. And I think for us, what's so striking is how different Abigail is from us but also how refreshing it is, even with all of the challenges. And it's funny because Jenny Goldstein, who is the psychiatrist who has been helping us throughout this journey, really, she phrased it very eloquently. She said, God was probably laughing as he placed Avigail in your family. Um, because sometimes it is just so funny how different we are. But at the same time, I really can't imagine our family without her. And she just adds the spice and the spirit and the humor and the personality. Um, and I think there are times where I'm able to just sit back and fully appreciate that in a way that I, I haven't been able to in the past. So I want to kind of discuss the term special needs because I know that this comes up a lot. Officially, ADHD is considered a special needs child. Um, but I know for me, when I even say the word special needs, it it doesn't resonate with me. It kind of feels like a child who, who has more severe impairments. And I want to talk a little bit about what ADHD is. Um, but, but in my mind, it just feels more severe. Um, it feels like a child who needs more help, um, but really what I've come to realize is that these are all terms. When you say that a child has special needs, what we're basically saying is that this child functions differently than other children. And what's important to note is that Abigail did mention that ADHD can manifest itself in different ways for different people. But in her case, it's less about her ability to focus because I know that that's kind of what schools choose to focus on with ADHD, like the child can't focus, they're not succeeding in school. For her, it's more about her difficulty to regulate her emotions, to handle changes, and to manage time, among other things. But in all the cases of ADHD, however it manifests itself, the one thing that 
all these children have in common is that the higher part of their brain that's in charge of executive functioning is somehow impaired. It's wired differently. So even though the term special needs means different things in different situations, I think that is something that we need to remember. ADHD brains function different, differently. And the better we can understand how those brains work and how they function, the better we can address those needs and talk to our kids or talk to our friends in a way that best suits them. And I think for me, that was like the biggest aha moment that I had. So going back to kind of the medical intervention, I just want to give a huge, huge shout out to Jenny Goldstein, who has been a true godsend throughout this entire process. Um, She was a colleague of my father's, and that's how we uh, made that connection. But Jenny has not only helped us figure out what medication is best for Abigail, but has also really been a huge rock throughout this process. And we are so grateful to her for all of her help. But going back to that initial decision, I think this was about when Abigail was six or seven when we first started meds. Um, Ruvain was very opposed to the idea of medication. So when I suggested that perhaps we consider medication, his initial reaction was, you know, let's try other things. I don't want to go there. It wasn't wasn't something that he was initially interested in. Um, And I get it. There are a lot of individuals who feel that psychiatrists are very quick to medicate, that every child has ADHD. Um, And I've read the research and I'm fully aware. And I know that there is a problem where people throw medication at these issues and, and don't try other methods. But in our case, we really did try so many other things. And what Ruvain and I both came to realize is that this was about Abigail's quality of life. Because when a child with ADHD is struggling with so many of the things that I mentioned um, and their executive functioning is impaired, they're not able to show up in the world in the most optimal way. And that often means that they get a lot of negative feedback from the people around them when they can't sit still, when they can't get organized, when they're getting overly upset about something, they're not able to calm themselves down. And when they get that negative feedback, that impacts their self-esteem. It impacts their self-worth. It impacts the way that they're feeling about themselves. And that is kind of the moment where we both realize that maybe her starting medication was not our first choice. And obviously medications come with our own list of side effects, but we felt that this was giving her the best shot to be able to show the best version of herself. Because like I said, she has so many incredible strengths and we wanted to let those strengths shine through. Um, And and then we kind of got on the same page and we decided to try it out. And it was a bumpy road. It's not like we found the right medication for her right away. We tried a whole bunch of different things Like I said, there were different side effects that we weren't happy with. Um, There was one medication I remember where, um, for those of you who are familiar with Winnie the Pooh, it felt like Tigger without the bounces. You know, it kind of took away that spark that we loved so much about her. And we were like, absolutely not. Um, And we, together with Jenny, who was so patient with us, we 
slowly and very gradually modified, tweaked, tried other medications until we found the combination that worked best for Abigail. I do want to say that medication for children with ADHD is not magical. It does not magically change the reality. The struggles are still there. The challenges are still there, but it takes everything down a notch. It gives Abigail a little bit more breathing space before she responds. Um, And I think for us, it's really been a game changer. And we are so grateful that we found Jenny, that we found the help that she needed. Um, And together with our coaching with Abigail Gimpel, I really do feel like we've kind of found that combination, that winning combination of giving her the meds that she needs, working on ourselves as parents, um, and providing the optimal help for Abigail. So as I was preparing for this, I, I was kind of reflecting on how having a child with ADHD has helped me grow as a parent and what are some of the things that I've learned about myself, about Abigail, about the reality. Um, and I think the first thing has been acceptance for me. It's very easy to get along with people who are like-minded, with people who share the same traits, the same personality qualities, etc. Um, and I think for me, learning how to accept a child who is so different than me, who functions in such a different way, but at the same time, and at the same time, has so much joy and such a big heart and so much just like love of life, I think has been such a lesson for me in acceptance. Um, And while maybe there's a little bit less friction with some of our other children, I think that Abigail has, has shown me what a true gift acceptance is. And as I work on myself to accept her for who she is without trying to change her, but just giving her the tools that she needs to really refine some of those qualities and channel her energy to the right places, acceptance just comes to mind as the biggest lesson for me. And that kind of relates to the second thing that I've learned about unconditional love. And we talk a lot about unconditional love, but I think unconditional love in certain situations is easier than others. Um, But at the end of the day, I think that there is so much unconditional love in this relationship, even with a child who sometimes challenges you more, sometimes pushes you out of your comfort zone, that has been something that has shined through this entire time um, and has really taught me the importance of unconditional love. And, um, you know, it's interesting because with kids with ADHD, because they'll often react and respond very quickly, sometimes without thinking, there's often a lot of regret on their side where they feel badly about something that they've said or done. um, And, The unconditional love goes both ways. It's so deeply expressed from Abigail towards us and also from us towards her. Um, The third thing that I've learned, and I think that this is perhaps one of the biggest lessons for me and and something that came up in our coaching with Abigail Gimpel, is the concept of a child not being a reflection of you. And I think for me, I actually thought that our children are reflections of us, 
not in the sense that I expected my children to be mini me's, but, but I kind of had this thought that children go out into the world after living in your home and soaking up your values and your qualities. And they go out into the world and they are in a sense, a reflection of you. Um, and I, I very deeply thought this until Abigail came around. And I think for me, this was like a very big switch for me to understand that sometimes Abigail behaves in a way that is not a reflection even of her because she is struggling with ADHD. And that's what's so fascinating because if it's not even a reflection of her, right? If she's not able to show up in the way that she wants to show up, then it's clearly not a reflection of me either. And that's where I kind of started that process of dropping the shame, stopping to worry so much about the judgments of others, um, and really being able to appreciate that Abigail is a gift. She is a gift, and she is a gift with a challenge, with a challenge that we are helping her work on, right? So that she can be the best reflection of herself. But I think when parents are so stuck in that fear of what are people going to think and she's behaving in a certain way and and what are people going to, right? Like the people that love you and appreciate you will know that your child is struggling. They're not going to judge you for the kind of parent that you are. And the fact is that while all our children are incredible and we love each and every one of them, Abigail is the one child that I get the most positive feedback about from my community, from my friends, because there's something about her that's unique, that's different, that shines. And that is the true reflection of who she is. But I think that when we're so wrapped up in what are people going to think, we're not able to be there fully present for our child and what they actually need. And I know for me, that has been part of the biggest growth that I've experienced through this journey. And, um, and I continue to work on it. The other final thing that I think that I have learned and really appreciated is that Avigail has these incredible powers that I believe, and Ruvain as well, like we both believe will enable her to go so far and to create such wonderful things in this world. And I even see it now during the war where she is volunteering here and watching kids there and initiating this project and that project. She's just so involved in everything that's going on and her unique ability to just do, not just talk, but take action and get out there and do what needs to get done not being shy, but asking people what they need has really, even in this moment, has allowed her to step up in ways that are just so inspiring. And that just gives me hope and and gives me that excitement of what she's going to be capable of. Because a kid who can't hear no, who just pushes and keeps going, she is going to achieve amazing, incredible things. When she gets a no because she's trying to start a nonprofit to help, I don't know, um, right? Like when she hits those walls, she is going to plow forward. I have no doubt. 
And that's where my ability to see maybe the struggles in the moment, right? Her innate ability to compromise, right? Like that is something that will serve her so well in the future. Um, And that's where my growth comes in because as I'm learning to see beyond the here and now and to kind of be able to project on her future and where she's going and who she's going to become, I have no doubt that this child will achieve incredible, incredible things. And I cannot wait to see where she goes um, and what she does in in this world. So as I'm summing up, Um, I kind of want to, I guess, summarize some of the things that I've learned about Abigail. Um, And I've touched on some of them, but I want to kind of summarize them. First of all, she's going to get far in life. This child, like I just said, is she's going places. um, And I'm really excited to see where she goes. Um, Her weaknesses can also be her strengths, right? That's what I was saying before, that her ability to just be friendly with every person, to not always care what people think and to just speak her truth, that is in some cases a weakness, but also an incredible strength. I also think that she pushes us out of our comfort zone as parents. And you've all heard me talk about comfort zones and where growth happens. Growth does not happen in our comfort zones. It happens beyond. And I think that Parenting a child with ADHD, parenting a child who needs something different than your other children, even though each and every one of our children challenges us in different ways, has been such a reason for growth, a cause of growth uh, for both Ruvain and myself. Um, And I'm at a point in our marriage, in my parenting, where I can actually appreciate that um, and really understand that even though it can be challenging at times, there's also so much that I've grown as a parent. um, And I really, I really appreciate that. Another thing that I wanted to address is how raising a kid with ADHD can impact a marriage. Um, And it definitely does add a layer of stress, uh, but also resilience. Um, I think that's definitely part of it. I think that for us, the main thing that has really helped us get through this um, and, and almost impact, minimize the impact that it's had on our marriage is working together on this as a couple. Um, and since we have started helping Abigail and getting the help that we needed, we've been doing this as a couple. Uh, we've gone to Jenny as a couple. We go to Abigail Gimpel as a couple. Um, and when we tackle this, as a couple, I feel like we're approaching it as a unit. And there are times where one of us feels more depleted and that's where the other one steps up. Um, there are times where one of us is struggling and, and just feels more frustrated than the other. And that's an opportunity for the other, uh, the other ones who really step forward and be there. But the key here has been all the time, two things. First of all, we're in this together we're going to get the help that we need. We're going to get help. We're going to get Abigail the help that she needs, but also that we are not going to let this impact our marriage. We're going to fill ourselves up in the way that we need to. We're going to take the breaks that we need to take, but this is our challenge as a parent. And then we have our unit um, in our marriage, but we, we have been very intentional about not 
allowing this to negatively impact our marriage. Um, And when I say negatively impact, what I'm referring to are more the times when we're just at a low. Um, Because I think the truth is that Abigail also very positively impacts our marriage. Um, And I think that there are things that she adds that just really add joy. Um, And her name, Abigail, just really represents who she is, the joy. Um, But I I do want to mention this because I think that for any couple who does have a child with any kind of special needs, um, sometimes it does penetrate uh, the marriage and, and create a lot of stress and a lot of tension. And I think that this is something that really needs to be addressed and just being aware of it, I think is really important, um, and making sure that you, um, that you really prioritize your marriage, your efforts as a couple, um, and that you work as a team because dealing with this as a single parent can be really hard. Um, and if you are a single parent, um, then finding that support because it's really a lot to take on. And I think that, that the support is really important. So before I end, I just want to give a few tips, uh, some advice that I have for other people who are raising, for other parents who are raising a kid with ADHD, but also relevant if you're not a parent and you're dealing with ADHD um, that I think could be helpful. So first of all, get help and don't wait. I know that there are so many parents who are noticing things or adults who are noticing behaviors that they have. Um, Don't wait to get help. The sooner you get help, the sooner you can help yourself or help your child. Um, And I think that there's this time where you, you notice certain things, but you almost don't want to accept it for whatever reason, um, and we all have our own thoughts about special needs, about ADHD, um, there's, a lot, there's a lot behind it. Um, it's a very loaded kind of term, but I still encourage you to get help as soon as possible. The sooner you get help, the sooner you can start that journey of getting the tools that you need or getting your kids the tools that they need. Um, so that would be my first um, point of advice. The second is to find support. Like I said earlier, at the beginning of this journey, we did feel very much alone. And I think that now there are support groups online. There are all kinds of like sessions and classes on ADHD. Um, Find a good psychiatrist, find a good coach, whatever it is that you need, find that support so that you can feel less alone and you have someone to turn to when you're struggling. Also, embrace the fact that your gift that your child is a gift and and really focus on their light and their talents and their strengths. And I know that this can sometimes be hard, but it's so true because ADHD is this incredible combination of like the lows are low, but the highs are high. And I think that if you can really focus on those highs, and focus on what your you what your child's unique gift is. I think that it changes the perspective, um, and I recognize that that's not always easy, but it's definitely something that I've been working on, and is so so helpful um, in terms of the way that I've been approaching the whole situation. 
And finally, and I touched on this before, drop the shame. Drop the shame. Connect with other parents who are going through the same thing. Connect with other friends who are going through the same thing. Um, Because there's no place for embarrassment here. This is a real struggle. And like I said before, this is not just behavioral. This is literally a brain that functions differently. And once we understand that, and once we can really internalize that, then we can stop being embarrassed and we can start connecting with our children and what they need and just be able to go out there and allow our children to be their authentic selves and allow ourselves to be our our authentic selves. Um, And I just want to end by saying that I think that Abigail is so brave that she wanted this podcast to be aired. She wanted to share not only her struggles, but also allow me to share kind of what it's like as a parent. Um, And I think that it's incredible that she is being vulnerable in this way. And the truth is that I I recorded this uh, episode several times because I was trying to find that balance of respecting her privacy. Um, And it's one thing for me to be vulnerable, but when I'm kind of sharing some of her vulnerabilities, I wanted to make sure that I was hitting that balance. Um, But the main push behind this episode and behind last week's episode has really been an effort to to really just voice what ADHD has been like for us. And again, recognizing that it's so different for each family, but to normalize it and to let people know this is a real struggle. This is a real gift. And I truly believe that those two things are true. Um, Because when you struggle with something, but you're able to really see the good and you're able to see the beauty and you're able to grow as a person through that process, then that's really living, right? That's really growing as a parent. Um, And I just am so proud of Abigail that she wanted to bring this to light and she wanted to share all of this. Um, She wanted me to share all of this. And we both just hope that this is helpful to children who are struggling with ADHD, to parents of children who are struggling with ADHD. And the truth is, this isn't just about ADHD. This could be about children with special needs who are struggling with other things. Um, But I think that a lot of the struggles are similar, can be similar. Um, And I really view this as just the beginning of this conversation. If anyone has questions or you want to follow up um, as you did last time, please feel free and wishing you a beautiful week and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Thriving on Purpose with Nechama Weiser. If this episode piqued your interest or inspired you and you're looking for a health and life coach who can help you up-level your life, then reach out today. Visit NechamaWeiserCoaching.com for details.